Hello, everybody. This is Mark Vines, and welcome to The Mark Vines Show, your one-stop shop for everything conservative, freedom, and frankly, just the right way to live your life, if you so choose to do so. And we are increasingly living in a society where you are losing more and more freedoms every single day. And today, I wanted to give you guys uh, a little treat by playing for you the audio of a live stream that Frank Reynolds and I did with Chris Coles, who is better known as Mr. Reagan. He's out on the left coast. He's out in the Los Angeles area and he has his own show. And um, it's something that you should check out on YouTube. If you have not, he goes by the moniker Mr. Reagan. And Frank and I were on his show. It was on YouTube and it was live. You can find it out there on YouTube. And I just wanted to play for you part one of a series from that show. It's a pretty long series. The show was over uh, two hours long. And so I'm just going to play it for you in segments. But I just wanted to put it out there so you could hear it and hear our discussion with him. So here you go. This is part one of our discussion with Chris Coles, better known as Mr. Reagan. All right, guys, this is Mr. Reagan. I'm here with two former FBI agents. These guys are not just regular FBI agents. These guys are decorated, you know, agents high up in the agency. Mark, I know you worked in the D.C. office directly for Mueller. Right. Uh, Frank, I don't know who you worked for exactly. You guys, uh, but you guys have both taught FBI agents. You guys have both worked in the field. You guys have, uh, you know, I know, Frank, you investigated murders like like uh, like crazy stuff. I mean, you guys have been in it. You guys have been doing the work. You guys know the the inside, you know, the outside, you know, everything about the FBI. And right now, I think the country is kind of worried, right, because we see there is this either unbelievable corruption in Washington, D.C., um, what uh, what Dinesh D'Souza recently called uh, the Machiavellian theory of what's going on in D.C., either corrupt or totally incompetent. Uh, now, for my money, it looks like corruption because it seems like every single possible thing that can go wrong is going wrong for America. It seems almost as if everything that's been happening is so corrupt that it couldn't possibly happen unless certain players within the Washington, D.C. system decided it was going to happen. And what I'm specifically talking about right now is, of course, Afghanistan. So I don't know which one of you guys wants to go first. Uh, News broke early this morning that we would probably have some casualties. There was like a high uh, possibility of uh, danger out there in uh, Afghanistan. And now we've heard that there have, in fact, been some deaths out there in Afghanistan, this whole thing, unbelievable quagmire. I, I, I tweeted today, the, early this morning, I like to see Democrat politicians humiliated, of course, of course. But I don't, th- this is too much. You do not want American lives endangered because of the incompetence of your administration. You don't want them in danger because of some kind of corruption in the system. Somebody has some kind of an idea of what they want. Oh, let's make Afghanistan look bad. My theory is maybe somebody in the military industrial complex was like, if we make this withdrawal look bad, we'll never want to withdraw from another occupation ever again. So let's 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 make it uh, make it a total mess. That was my original thought when I saw this because it's just so disastrous. Now, you guys have a much better insight than I do. You much much better insight than the rest of us. 
So why don't I let you guys go? I don't know who wants to talk first about this, but uh, why don't you let me know what you guys think is going on in Afghanistan, you know, and what, what you think is going on. Do you think it's corruption or do you think it's incompetence? Frank, did you want to kick it off? Well, I think it's a, it's a combination of not so much corruption. I, I, it's certainly incompetence. Was this planned? Yes and no. The plan was to get out of Afghanistan and to have a big photo op in a political, you know, moment for Biden on 9-11 to say, we got, I got you out of a 20-year war that was unpopular. Look at me, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is they never even thought one moment about how to do it. They didn't no. care. He no. didn't care. And no. the people beneath him that are supposed to care and be the wise counsel to say, hey, hold on a second, we need to do this, didn't because they're more concerned about their career and their job than doing the right thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think it's more incompetence. And a certain level, I guess you could call it corruption. I call it just, you know, political careerism taking over and just being, you know, what expediently works for them. Right. Okay. Mark, yeah. you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. And I agree with everything that Frank just said. And uh, for those of you that haven't heard our podcast, whether it's mine, the Mark Fine Show, or uh, Frank's, which is called Lies People Tell, we we actually did um, we did a podcast episode where Frank and I talked about this. And this, this is well before Afghanistan started. Uh, what you have is there's been a complete culture shift over the years, um, not just in the FBI, which is certainly true, but um, a- across uh, all of Washington. Um, Frank and I, I was a naval officer. Frank was an, an army officer around the same period, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. And back in those days, it was uh, th- it was really understood that people that went into the military or law enforcement were by and large conservative people. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, conservatives... However, people that took an oath to the United States Constitution and were apolitical, because I can tell you, in my entire career, I was apolitical. Frank's career, entirely apolitical. And that's critical because sometimes Absolutely. you're going to invest a Democrat, sometimes you're going uh, investigate a Democrat, sometimes you're going to investigate a Republican, and you Absolutely. have Absolutely. a bias. And, and that's, that's, that's vital, and it's important to understand where I'm leaving, and I Oh, you're kind of breaking up there for one second. you want to uh, repeat that? Uh, what I noticed over the years, particularly over the last, I would say, eight to ten years in the FBI, but not just the FBI, but across the government, is that it really people came in with a political agenda and very left-leaning political agenda, which was... Well, we have with- to learn about white rage, Mark. <laughs> well, and we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But I, I'll tell you, it, it's really politics has really permeated the the agencies, the FBI, and as you can see now, the military. And we're paying a dear price for that. And, and Mark, you uh, worked at you were in the Navy for many years before you joined. The I was FBI. in the Navy for eight years. I was a naval officer for eight and you, years. And you've actually told me that there mm-hmm. is there there used to be anyway a distinction between how you get ahead in the military and how you get ahead in the FBI. And what yes. you told me was that how you get in the head of the military is merit, is yes. qualifications. Yes. How you get ahead in the FBI is politics. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Frank, you want to address? And again, we did an entire podcast on that. But Frank, you want to give the shot at that? Because there's a very and a lot of people compare the FBI promotion system to the military promotion system. And they are not alike at all. At couldn't, all. Be, couldn't be further from the, right. the, the truth. The, the, the difference is stark. The, in the military, I was in the Army for 10 years. It was. It was merit-based. You either made it or you didn't, and you got assigned to tougher you know, assignments, and you had to, to meet the, the medal. War colleges, right. staff colleges, things like that. And in the FBI, it's a matter of raising your hand. You, do you raise your hand to – are you willing to go to Washington, D.C.? Are you willing to go to headquarters? Are you willing to move? And if you will, will, are willing to do that, you can be the most incompetent shrub in the world. You're going to get promoted because yeah. you're willing to do it. Now, yeah. I came in, you know, in 95, and at that point, the highest calling you could have, and that was the understanding, was to be an FBI agent, a, a working street agent putting bad guys away. Right. Somewhere around 2001, when Mueller took over, yeah. it took a very much more of a corporatist attitude and no longer was the street agent the pinnacle of what you're supposed to be striving for. Now it became how quickly could you get to headquarters? And headquarters at the FBI exploded in size under Mueller, and it has it continued to increase. And, yeah. and it really became the investigator. It became before... Mueller, it was like, why would you go to headquarters? After mm -hmm. Mueller's, why won't why wouldn't you go to headquarters? Right. It was, well, it was didn't completely you guys different. say that before Mueller, the FBI was a much more um local locally based agency. Oh so yeah. You'd have yeah. like the California FBI, you'd have the Oregon FBI, etc. And then once Mueller took over, he was like, Let's centralize this thing. Yeah. And 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 and, and concentrate the power in DC. Yep. But keep in mind when I say Mueller you have to you you can't you have to link Mueller with nine eleven because they they came one week apart. Mueller took over uh, a week before nine uh, eleven, and that was such a shock to the system that, that there needed was, to be some change, maybe, or there was at least the feeling that there needed to be some change. Right, the, right. The, there was a case of we have to change for the sake of change to a certain degree, but we also had a lot of issues that we needed to address. The problem was is that they threw the baby out with the bathwater. And Mueller was like, well, everything you guys did before was no good. Yeah. So well, let's not keep any of that. We're going to start fresh and do it this way. Well, unfortunately, a lot of those old cases, a lot of those old investigators actually knew how to develop sources, gain intelligence, and knew how to work a case. Thanks, and man. that became blasé. Well, oh, I lost 20, you there for a second, Frank. And, it became Mark, somewhat. Can I hear you? Yeah. Can you, can you hear can me? You, hear me? you still got me? Yeah, but I've got some kind of thing going on. Give me one second. Mm hmm. You got me now? Hello? Yeah, but. Okay, sorry. I had something started playing on my headphones, and it to I was totally distracted. Okay, we're <laughs> the wife brought me more coffee. I'm ready to go. Hey, I think we got things. And keep going. in mind that from the very beginning, along with everything that Frank is saying, is Mueller had an inherent distrust of agents, and not yes. only did he bring yeah. in the corporate attitude, he actually brought people from the corporate world 
into the highest mm. levels of the FBI. It, yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah. that because because what was Mueller before he was DOJ, right, or something like that? He was he DOJ. Was, he was DOJ. He was a U.S. attorney out in California, and and it's funny because uh, a friend of mine who became an agent, he was in San Francisco where Mueller was the U.S. attorney, and at that time he worked for INS. He was an agent mm. with INS, okay. and they had had a big case there, and they all had lunch after the big trial, and Mueller was there, and my friend had just got accepted to become an FBI agent. And so Mueller said, oh, you're going to be an FBI. He says, that's my dream job. He says, to be an agent? He said, no, no, to be the director of the FBI. And, wow. and then he, and he became the director of the FBI. <laughs> but but you know, he, the way he, his outlook was just so different. I think I've lost you the, again. I, uh, you, no, no, I had him. off for you? Okay, maybe it's, just, maybe it's just yeah. me. Sorry, guys. But, uh, sorry, keep talking. I was already but the, the his the culture of the FBI was so different from yeah the his outlook, and he really he did look at like nine eleven was you guys' fault, so we're gonna fix everything you guys broke, which was not really the case. No, yeah. and and I think Mark, you said that he was much more um, fond of the CIA and the way their intel uh, was structured. Yes. And, and not only that, not, well, you know, and it, it goes, it went beyond more fond of, of the CIA, uh -huh. but understand when Frank and I went into the FBI, it was, and I've, I've often used this description that we were more of a, um, uh, a law enforcement organization that dabbled in counterintelligence and then later, we became a counterintelligence organization that dabbled in, in criminal work. And Absolutely. with that, like if you go over to the CIA, the, the CIA is a very analyst-driven organization, okay? Mm -hmm. Historically, the FBI has been a very agent-centric organization with some analysts. Now, there are, uh, you know what, I'd have to run the numbers. I, th I actually think there's more analysts than there are agents, and it is definitely not an agent-centric um, organization anymore. And in fact, Mueller, one of, one of the things that he did, his legacy was he brought people from the corporate world uh, into the organization and not just not just into the FBI, but to the highest level, like assistant directors uh, were people from the corporate world. And it changed everything in the analysts. And um, then they started training, you know, like if you go down to Quantico, analysts are now trained alongside agents and it, and it, because it's like considered the, the same job description now. And they've really kind of backed off of the, the, you know, the gun carrying law enforcement mentality that really is what the FBI is. You know, oh, FBI yeah, agents yeah. are basically, they are law enforcement, They're sworn law enforcement, enforcement yeah. officers with arrest authority. So to They're me, it was always federal police officers. Yeah, it, yeah you're a practice. federal police officer. Now, but that's going to be critical, um, uh, Chris, later on it, when we start talking about some of the missteps that the FBI has done. Because when you are a law enforcement officer, there's certain things that you have to know. There's certain things that you do, and there's a lot of things that you can't do. And everything yeah. has to be juxtaposed through the through the Constitution, uh, uh, rule, rules of evidence, procedures, and things. Along Which doesn't the seem to be what they're following anymore. No, but let me let me because of back. that because of that yeah. mentality that shift in mentality. Yeah. Let, let me pivot back real quick to yeah. Afghanistan because you talked about how there's a difference between the merit based uh, job promotion promotional system in the, in the military versus the political-based promotion system right. in the FBI. But at the top levels, Congress has to approve um, 
you know, the top generals, the, the uh, 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 Joint Chiefs of Staff and things like this. So um, that becomes political at a certain point as well, too, correct? Very political, yeah. I mean, because Millie is an unbelievably political guy. His whole, I want to learn about white rage BS and Lloyd Austin as well. He came from, I believe he came from the private sector. Uh, and the question I have it really is, I would like to get you guys insight and what the hell is going on in Afghanistan? Because like I said, many of us pundits speculating, suspect that maybe this has something to do with the military industrial complex wanting to stay in foreign wars. And to some degree, some of the people in DC may be complicit in having, you know, wanting to see a quagmire, wanting to see this become a disaster. Um, you, you're not quite so cynical, it sounds like. But I'm curious then, if you don't think it's that, what do you think it is? Why the hell are we having this trouble? Because I, Donald Trump said it beautifully when he was on stage. He said a five-year-old can figure this out. You take out our civilian personnel. You, you, you know, you clear out the prisons so that they, don't, they can't just like release the terrorists that were, were being held in the prisons there. You take out all of our military uh, uh, technology from the country so that they don't get their hands on the military technology, right? You pull out all your resources, you pull out all your human resources, and then you pull out your military. What they did seemed to be like, all right, guys, we're leaving, and then left everything there for the Taliban to just take. Including uh, people, yeah. Including human beings, human lives, which are now being lost currently. Today is the worst day, it looks like. Uh, and uh, could you guys speak on that and tell us? And, what and, there, and there's probably, about? I think they left as, as much equipment. There's probably more equipment there than many armies have in Europe right now. Yeah. You're a hundred, billions of dollars, they said. Billions of dollars. Yeah, it's some very high tech stuff. Well, I think, I think you have a combination, a deadly combination of you ever have a boss that thinks they're absolutely brilliant and they know everything, they're the smartest guy in the room. And they don't want to really listen to anybody's opinion. They'll hey, tell me what you think is so they can discard it immediately. Yes. That's Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And then couple that with. But come on, Frank. Frank, you, are you really telling me you think Joe Biden is in any way in control of anything? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying yeah. that he he made that decision like, no, no, I want them out. I want them out. Sure. But he, he was definitely told that that well, was the decision that needed to be made. Well, no, I think that he he calculated. So you think he has some control? Because I I'm not sure, Frank. Yeah, I see, think I, you disagree on that. See, I I don't give him. I'm not going to give him the the out to say he's mentally incompetent because that would no. be too that would be too easy to say. Well, he just doesn't know what he's doing. I think he knew exactly what he was doing as far as a political stunt. I mm -hmm. just don't think he cared enough. To say, okay, how do we do this the right way? Mm -hmm. He was like, he was that boss said, just get it done, just get it done, mm -hmm. and just get. But they have to get out at this time. And people may have or may not have said, hey, boss, we can't do it that way. You don't know. I mean, he may rule in such a way that they're afraid to disagree. I don't know. I know well, that I, they. I mean, I, 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 I'm following what you're saying, and I think what you're saying is totally plausible. I just think that you're putting onto onto Biden what maybe should be put on somebody else who's made the decision and then told Biden to make the decision. It seems to me that if you think about what what was Biden before he was elected, right? He was 
unbelievably corrupt. We saw his corruption in Ukraine. We saw his corruption in China. We saw his, the corruption of his son. You know, it seemed to me that he was totally compromised. Uh, he he was he seemed to be totally incompetent. He you know the way he was making speeches. Sometimes he would slur words, and he would people are are you know saying chalking that up to stuttering. Oh, he's stuttering. That was not stuttering. Okay, I'm sorry. That's a BS thing to make him look sympathetic. The guy has some kind of brain problem, right? Some kind of deterioration. So it seemed to me that he was the perfect. If you wanted a puppet president, he's the guy. Oh yeah, got, no doubt. You know, yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. So, so but, if he's a puppet president, then we got to put all what you're saying, Frank. We got to put that all on somebody else. Maybe well, okay, Obama, but, somebody. Hey, so, Chris, let me jump well, in. Hold, well, hold on, Mike. Yeah. Let me, let me, yeah. I get what you're saying, but that, but by by that extension, then we'd have to say he makes absolutely no decisions. That's I, my I that's my assertion. <laughs> yeah. so I I think he makes. Some, I think he he made this decision, and I yeah. think he just didn't care about the ramifications or the long-term effects he's he was that guy just just fix it you know? well i'll tell you what none of us are in actually in the white house none of us are right. actually witnessing what's going on so you may be totally right frank i'm not going to say you're wrong uh you know we, we can only speculate by what we see right and you may be right there may be some decisions that he is for whatever reason able to make uh, talking to Mark, and we're going to skip ahead here because I, originally I wanted to ask this question a little later, but I'm going to because we seem to be um, sliding in, in, into this direction. Mark and I have talked about this, and we're trying to figure out who is in charge. You know, who is running the country at the moment? And I'm curious what you guys think because I do think that on at least some issues, I think the FBI doesn't just have influence, they have some degree of control at this point. I'm not talking about the regular agents, I'm talking about, you know, the the guys at the at the top level. I think, you know, Pelosi has a lot of influence, if not some control. I think that there are some Wall Street people, some, you know, bankers and whatnot that have some control. Uh, but at the end of the day, Mark and I were talking about this, and it looks like there may be some control some leverage that's still maintained in some way by Barack Obama somehow because he's got all his people in there and he lives down, right down the street from the White House mm. weirdly uh, first president to do that in like 200 years or something crazy like that um, and so it looks like maybe Obama's running a lot I did a video about this recently Mark kind of convinced me of that Curious what you think about that, Frank. Sorry to skip over you, Mark. We'll get back to you here in one <laughs> second. Back, but yeah. I, I'm yeah. curious what you think about that because you and I have talked about it, Mark. But I haven't talked to you, Frank, about this. Well, I, I think 100. percent I think he he controlled uh, not only the presidency but the campaign and the selection of the VP. Uh, there's a reason why Susan mm-hmm. Rice is in there. There's a reason why Kamala Harris exactly. is there, and that and it wasn't because. Biden said, you know something, I really would like someone that everyone dislikes, couldn't even make it to the first caucus, and and I want to make her VP. That was a decision taken out of his hands. Uh, Susan Rice putting her in charge, and I think she's running a lot of the show, her and Valerie Jarrett, uh, behind the scenes. That's that was an uh, Obama decision also. So, yeah, the, the Obamas have an extreme amount of influence on this administration and what goes mm-hmm. on. Can, can I just jump in here before I get your take on it, Mark? Yeah. I want to just explain the deep state real quick, because the deep state isn't some mysterious conspiracy theory, the way I think of it. 
to me, the deep state is just all the all the powerful players in D.C. or in New York City or these areas that have significant influence on yeah. the presidency and on uh, you know the federal government generally, uh, Congress and whatnot. This is the deep state. It's not some mysterious thing. It's 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 thousands of people who have you know who who either work in or control companies, billionaires, all these different people that aren't elected, but also people potentially in the FBI or the military who have some degree of leverage over the president or leverage over uh, you know congressmen or some kind of influence, some kind of what I would call like uh, too great of influence, right? Influence that maybe crosses over sometimes into control. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is a very dangerous thing because once you have people who control these offices that are not elected officials, then we are undermining our democracy. And so that's what we call the deep state. It's not some kind of mysterious thing. It's we all know there's influence from these outside sources. So the question just is how much influence you got to have influence, right? You have to have of course you're going to have advisors, of course you're going to have people from the outside, you know, whispering in people's ears, politicians ears all the time. That's been happening since the dawn of time. The question is is it undue influence? Is it too much? Is it so much influence that it's control and is it undermining the choices that the American public have made, what, what the American public wants? And I think that we're definitely at that level. I think, it, I think it exploded during the Trump era because Trump was an outsider. He wasn't controlled by any of these people. People, they all freaked out. They said, we need, to, we need to be more firm. We need to have even more power. We need to have more control. And now I think it's gone kind of out of control. But um, do you guys recognize that as a good definition of the deep state, or am I a little bit off? Well, yeah, let me, let me jump in here a minute on that, because um, just go with what we know in, in the press. Right. Forget about anything behind the scenes and secret. Just take what we know was in, in the press, right. talking about the deep state. Because I think a lot of people, when we, when we say deep state, it, it becomes sort of conspiratorial. It's not. Yeah. Okay, let, no. let's stick with the facts here. Okay, yeah. and tell me where I'm wrong in this. Um, did, the, did the FBI repeatedly falsify information on the FISA warrant to go after um, certain individuals. Yes, they did. Well, that's right. You're talking about the right. Trump administration in 2016 while they were still campaigning before right. he was elected president. They were trying to undermine Trump's campaign by saying Russian collusion right, and then spying on people involved in the, in the Trump did, campaign, did, gathering did information. James Comey not go on television and lay out essentially an indictment against Hillary Clinton and then say that he unilaterally made the decision to not indict her. Did he not do that? Well, what he specifically said is, I think something like no reasonable prosecutor would follow, uh, would prosecute these crimes, which to me was insane. But that's not his position to do that. No. That's that's not his position to do that. And, you know, James Comey was not an FBI agent. A lot of a lot of people don't know that the the FBI director it can be like Louis Free had been an agent, but uh, James Comey was not an agent. And a lot and it seems like the general I public didn't know didn't that. understand it. Yeah, no, he was I not never that. an agent. Okay, mm-hmm. and so he made that decision. All right, that is not that is not the role of the FBI director to do that. Then you had. Um, the the email um, scandal with Hillary Clinton um, that was not pursued. Uh, hide uh, Hunter Biden's uh, laptop, which th- there's just what's been in the press is damning evidence about corruption within the Biden family. Where has that gone? Where's the Durham report? On and on and on. And and so when we look at this and we put it back to back, the the only thing that you can do is sit back and say, 
obviously there's influence because these non-elected officials, James Comey was not an elected yeah. official, Andy McCabe was not an elected official, Peter Strzok was not an elected official, but they had enormous influence in damaging Donald Trump, which ultimately affected the election. And here we are today. Now, but to answer your real quick question, uh, uh, or what one quick response to you, Chris, and that was this, who's making the decisions, Joe Biden, I do believe that Joe Biden is making decisions. Uh, but I think that people that he's beholden to are p pressuring him, and that could include Barack Obama and others uh, across the government, are saying this is what we want they're to have happen. They're directing him to make them. And they're making him make those decisions. Uh, but I'll tell you where my real problem is, uh, Chris. My real problem is this. This man was going to be a disaster. I knew it. You know, we all knew that when he went into office. I didn't think it was going to be this bad this fast. But where I and, and, and if you're a general or you're an admiral or you're somebody at the highest echelons of our Defense Department, State Department, FBI, so on and so forth. What's going on in Afghanistan right now, I hold you guys responsible for that yeah. because I could not imagine being a flag level officer and listening to these decisions that are being made and knowing that Americans and Afghans were going to die as a result of these decisions and not pushing back on it. And then when the decision was made to not resign, why did you not resign when you were given these marching orders? Yeah. You know, yeah. people resigned under, under Trump for much less than this. <laughs> well, and you now know, we're paying a price. And Speaking of, get fired right now. And when you think about it, you know, how many times did we hear these high level people in the military and the various agencies squeal about how they're going to resign, they're going to do this and don't do that during Trump. You know, and of course, it was all talk because they never yeah. did. I don't hear any of these guys saying they're going to resign no, now. Nothing, nothing. You know, uh, you know Mark, you, 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 you kind of went into a direction that I wanted to go anyway. Mm -hmm. and to me, this is incredibly important. Um, obviously, the Russiagate scandal, the dossier, right. uh, you know, the, I don't remember the guy's name, Carmela or something like that. Uh, Carter Page. That, no, I'm talking about the guy who forged the, the the CIA document that said Carter Page is not, you know. Oh, that, oh uh, Klein, Smith. Klein Smith. Klein Smith. Klein Smith, right, right. Smith, the attorney. Yeah. It, obviously, that guy is a total scam. And that was not a mess up. He did that on purpose. He of course he did it. But he yeah. was ordered to do that by somebody. That guy mm -hmm. should never have been the guy that went to court and yeah, was no. with that. I mean, all yeah. these guys should be in prison. It's, of course, ridiculous. We know right. that the FBI was corrupt at that level at that time. And he was not an agent, by the way. He was no, no, he was a lawyer. Agent. He was right. just a lawyer. Well, we have FBI but agent lawyers, but he was he was a headquarters attorney. In fact, I don't think he'd even been in the FBI that long. Mm -hmm. And but no, these no, he was a scapegoat. People. They 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 broke him a deal. They said, "Look, you you're going to take the heat for this. We're going to get you out of it," which they did. Right. right. And and they just said, "And none of us, we're all going to like, we'll be fine." But fact, I understand is, he pled to a misdemeanor. Which I want you to think about. I want you to think about what he did. Yeah, what this is worse did. than Watergate, guys. This is worse than Watergate. And he pled to a misdemeanor. Yeah. Now imagine this. He falsified documents and presented them to a federal judge more than once, mm -hmm. destroying the life of Carter Page. Yeah. And Think attempting about that. To destroy if you're watching this show right now, and if that were worse, you. Destroying, destroying the life of Carter Page is terrible. Right. But it's it's not detrimental to the country. What is detriment, detrimental to democracy is when you try to derail a political campaign using the FBI, using right. the FBI to try to 
position somebody you want in. The FBI wanted a specific person in office. Yes, they did. And they wanted to keep Trump out. So at that, at that time, with Comey and all his gang, we know that the FBI was corrupt at the top levels because they were engaged in corrupt activities. So that is part one of uh, our live stream interview with Chris Coles, better known as Mr. Reagan. Just wanted to bring that to you guys. And I'll be posting the rest of that series later on in the next couple of weeks. And so, again, that's from August 26th of 2021, our live stream show. And please check that out. Please share it with your friends. And please check out Mr. Reagan's show as well. He's a great guy, very knowledgeable, and um, has a really good show. And just, you know, spread all of this information to all of your friends, especially your liberal friends, because, folks, we've got to get vaccinated for all of this liberalism. It's killing us. It's killing more people than COVID ever could. And, folks, so we've got to do something about that. So with that, this is Mark Vines, and check us out on Rumble, Parler, uh, Facebook, all of those dreadful sites, except for Parler and Rumble. Those are great sites, but all the rest of them are dreadful. But please check them out and spread this to your friends. Thank you very much. <laughs>